Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I want to start by talking about the relative places that the clubs were in in 1990, but Mark Bright and um, uh, Gary O'Reilly were jumping up and down when they heard Pavarotti there. Why are you so excited? Once you get to the semi-final, right, you have to sit there in a hotel the night before a game, and all of a sudden there's whisperings, aren't there, It's Mark? a posh hotel, presumably on the outskirts of London, so we're actually... No, in no, London. we were absolutely oh, in oh, Solihull. Yeah, What's the name the of the hotel? hotel? It's called the New, New Hall. Hall. Right, OK. So all of a sudden... I love the way he turns to his Midlands <coughs> correspondent to get the yes. news there. Yeah. No, I couldn't remember the name of the hotel. It had a moat round it, I think. Yes. Anyway, the day of the game... Let's keep you in, guys. There's a rather... There's, <laughs> yes, probably a good idea. <laughs> Curfews and stuff. Uh, there's a rather large man in reception... That happened to be Luciano really? himself. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, incredible! And all of a sudden, Stan Turnant's there, and all of a sudden, the posse, the the Pavarotti posse, start to push him away because he's got his pre-match isotonic woodbine going. Uh. And the, the big guy does not allow smoke around him when he's about to perform. So that was a that was a one, and he's a big football fan. Can you remember what was no, said? Stan loves his football Steve, fan. Stan was a former coach at the club. Yeah. And Steve had invited him to come down to the to the to the semi-final. And, He's smoking, and somebody said, "Excuse me, could you put the cigarette out? Because Pavarotti's coming through, doesn't like smoke." And Stan said, "Tell him go the other way." <laughs> Listen, guys, what I want to talk about. In this By the way, session, we love Stan. <laughs> Stan yeah. We love yeah, Stan. Stan. I was going to say, we were going to say we love Pavarotti. We do, yeah, but we, we love do. Stan. Yeah. Let's talk about um, the. Uh, I mean, the relative uh, places the two clubs were in Liverpool and Crystal Palace at the start of and during this season, 1989-90. Gary Gillespie, if I might start with you, um, I, I, I find myself almost impossible to say this. But there are people now young enough, Gary, who don't believe what a huge, successful, in, invulnerable, undefeatable club Liverpool were in those days. Well, we were probably what Man United is today, if not even better. I think I joined the club in 83, 84 uh, and left in 91 and we finished no uh, no worse than second. Gary, I think I've we got, won the got, league four I've got, times. I've got it written down here. In the, in the previous 17 seasons, coming up to this season, Liverpool finished first or second in 16 seasons out of those 17. And you were, of course, holders of the FA Cup as well. Yeah, it was a frightening record, and I think uh, the only sad thing about that, and, and especially the team that you know from '87, '88, was you know we were banned from European football, so we never figured against the really best to to, to test us. Uh, but uh, I, you know the record is phenomenal, and I think being the cup holders going into that season, I think the the onus at, at Liverpool was always on the league. The, the cup yeah. was a bonus, but the league was always the number one priority, and I think uh, that was always the goal at the beginning of the season. But uh, certainly. If the cup, get, you know, the further you get in the cup competitions, the, the more you want to win, and, and and certainly being cup holders, and the disappointment of missing out against Arsenal the, the season before in the last game of the season, you know, that always gives you gives you that 
little bit of impetus and that little bit of extra desire to go and do better the next year. And, and that was what can Liverpool I, was all Gary, about. Remind, were you on the pitch where, uh, for for the uh, for Arsenal's victory? I'll tell you where I was. That it was. I was. <laughs> shock I'm going to put you on my list of people to blame if you're. <laughs> no, <laughs> shock horror. I was actually injured, and I was. Oh, thank I, God. I, I, I was. Sat, I, I was sat up in the stand, and there was about obviously two, there was two minutes to go, uh, and I, I I literally got up from my seat in the stand, ran down the stairs, through the back, uh, through the, the 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 main stand, and literally as I was walking down that iconic, the, you know, the stairway down where you see this yeah. is this is Anfield sign, and I was literally just getting up the other side, and Michael Thomas was going through on Bruce Grobola, and he put the ball in the back of the net. I was all ready to celebrate, you know, another league championship victory, and then the ball goes into the back of the net, two 0 and obviously the whole place other than the Arsenal fans was deadly silent. The guys were strewn on the pitch, and it was devastating to be honest with you. And uh, but Gary, I mean, I work here with Ray, with Ray Houghton, and I consider him a friend these days. I still think he should have brought Michael Thomas down as he went through the centre circle. Uh, yeah, well, probably. I think Stevie Nichol played centre back that day, and uh, all I was saying was that had I been playing, we would have won. Guys, do you know what, Danny? That yeah. is still the best end to any... I know the Aguero thing was sensational last year, but that was first against second, and whoever won would have won the title. So, to me, that's that's, that's still the greatest finish to You, you have to remember that we only lost that in goal difference as well, and mm. the amount of fixtures that we actually had to play uh, at the end of the season, I mean, nowadays, it, it just wouldn't happen, you know, obviously because of the Hillsborough the, thing. These and... two are miming... I should make the point, Gary, you're in a remote <laughs> studio. These two are miming violins now, Gary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Listen, guys, we've got about a minute before, during this section to talk about where we're, Crystal Palace were an emerging force rather than a dominant force like Liverpool at this stage. Uh, Steve Coppola put, started to put together a pretty good team. Is that fair? Yeah, I think so. Um, promotion the season before. Um, you, you and you and Ian right up front. Yes. Though Ian was hurt, he got his leg broken. Ian, some Ian, stage Ian had in broken season. his leg for the second time uh, and during the season, so he was out for the semi-final. Um, we were sort of a team of misfits. I mean, I got there slightly before Gary. Gary came just after me. Yeah. Jeff Thomas, um, John Pemberton. Gary, Gary came cuts with a fire sale at Spurs. No, at Brighton. Uh, at Brighton, rather. Brighton, yeah. yeah. They, they, yeah. They, no, they, they, I tell you what it were. We were a bunch of mongrels <laughs> that had the audacity to push their way into Crafts and cause an upset. Um, players with points to prove. Yes, that's players, players who had emerging potential. Anyone who's a big fan of Moneyball and Sabermetrics, yeah. I think between them, Ron Nodes and Steve Koppel yeah. probably just about invented it. They they went out and sourced. We had players like Steve Claridge coming into the club. We had players like Stan Collymore, uh, you know, in and around this period, come yeah. into the club. Players from non-league. So players Michael characters as well. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, yeah. But well, Steve guys who would do it. Steve got rid of the experienced players mm. and got everyone roughly about the same. So there was no hierarchy in the dressing room. We were all about the same age. Probably Gary was probably the most experienced in terms of um, yep. top flight appearances. Um, um, I'd been at Leicester, but I hadn't played very much. So, yeah, hungry, young, uh, mid-20s, uh, um, ambitious players. Gary uh, O'Reilly, sorry, Gary Gillespie. We're, we're going to be hearing a lot of gloating from these two as the rounds go on and we get to the semi-final. But I think we should talk about the league that season, 89-90. Um, my memory is that there was there was a, a game um, at Anfield between Liverpool and Crystal Palace where the team shared nine goals, but it were shared rather unevenly. Yeah, it was Liverpool against the Crystal Palace mongrels that you were like yeah. you like to call nine yourselves. Nine nil, Gary. <laughs> nine zero, and uh, <laughs> say it again. Go on. It, it was it was quite funny actually because. I, 
I, I was doing a, a, a game. <laughs> for you? <laughs> no, yeah, no. I was doing. I was doing a game for LFC TV just the, the other day there at uh, under twenty one game Liverpool were playing uh-huh. Tottenham, and uh, Perry Suckling's actually involved in. Uh, must be the goalkeeping coach for the the uh, Spurs well, he reserves. Is, he is. He is. Uh, and he came and introduced himself, and I, I, I always have a laugh every time I see him. That he was the, he was a goalkeeper on that day, and I think after that game, I, the lads will probably correct me if I'm right. He never played for Crystal Palace again, and none of the goals were his. His fault. Yeah. And I think Gary Murray was saying that you actually scored? I scored the fourth goal, I think, diving header near post from a corner, but uh, it was well gone by then. Mem- memories of that great day at Anfield, guys? Nah. To be fair, did play. He played they both, they both played as well. Yeah, yeah, no, we, we, no, no, Gary, let's be fair. We were out there. Yeah, 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 there's yeah, no yeah. way you can say you Mark, played. I'll, I'll, ask, I'll ask you because, I mean, Gary would have been in the thick of the action, but you must have had a good spectator's view of the game from about 40 yards, right? Right to me. We, 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 after, after a few goals Wrighty said how many is there and I said, I'm not sure said how many is that ref and the ref did that on, on, the, on his oh, pad no. he went not one, two, three, four <laughs> strike, five one, two seven oh dear it was we actually eight, eight different goal scorers yes, as well it was, wow. it was unique yeah. It, yeah. That, see that was Aldo's last game for Liverpool that's and, right yeah. and he comes on it, as a substitute it, with his first a touch takes a penalty mm. and I'm looking at him and I'm going, you rotten so-and-so. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember screaming, it, there, there's it, no it way was, we um, go home with it in double figures. And I just turned to Aldo and said, I never thought in my life I'd ever say that during a game. <laughs> well, do you know, Jeff Thomas missed a penalty as well. Did uh, he? Blazed one over. Yeah, yeah. blazed one over. And after the game, we came, we came off. Steve just did this short speech about that might never ha- that will never happen to you again in your f- professional football career. Get washed, changed. We're on the coach. Don't say nothing to the press. I'll do the talking. Let's get out of here. So Jeff Thomas was saying that he was in the bath at, at Tamford oh. and Pembo came in. <laughs> John Pemberton, Pemberton, yeah. Right, and, and Pembo sort of jumped in the bath and that and looked at Jeff, he said, I tell you what, they'll do something this year. They're decent, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's well done, John Pemberton. F- football Highlight extraordinary. Oh, no, it's gallows humour. It, it, yeah. Do you know what? That If you look back at that game, and congratulations to Liverpool, because at that time, they were as good as it gets. I mean, I played against the early 80s version of Liverpool yeah. and they were splendid. And I, I put no, them no, in the, the same 80, category. 88, 89, 90, those uh, Liverpool yeah. teams yeah. were unbelievably dominant. But for us, that was the watershed. No pun intended on the bath yeah. thing. Yeah. But for us, after that moment, I think that was it. We, we, were, not, we were tagged virgin soldiers. We were given dogs abuse. Yeah. And when you get done 9-0, rightly so. Because you're wearing the virgin... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So from, shirt, from, there, yeah. from there onwards, all of a sudden it was right. This is what it's going to take. This is where it comes together. And it took a little while, but you could definitely see and, and, that thing growing. And you got Once your again. revenge at Salas Park when you only lost 2-0. Yeah, yeah. 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 work in it's, progress, as I was yeah. saying. It's very difficult to explain, but, you know, to when people say, oh, you, know, you know, Twitter now, because you can relive everything. People post all the, the, the YouTube, etc. Um, and, and they say, oh, you got beat 9-0. He said, do you realise how good Liverpool were at that stage? People I, don't, they've forgotten I that, I grew they? up with the Liverpool era, so I can tell you the best teams and the best football, and going there and being nervous about walking out at Anfield and seeing the, the, the emblem walking down the tunnel. And it meant something very special then. And that's Manchester well, I, United I'll try, I'll try and put it as I'm, I think I'm probably the oldest person there around this table. Just. I, 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 just about. I, mm. I, I believe that n- at no time during Manchester United's re- recent dominance have people feared going to Old Trafford where they feared going to Anfield in the in late 1970s. I think that's a good yeah. point. It will be argued, but I think it's I, a fair point. Do you know why, Danny? Right. Because I think most teams have... have better players, yeah. game winners, match winners in their team. Mm. And I, I remember 
Gordon Mill was our, our coach at Leicester City when I went there with um, with um, and, uh, with Leicester, <clears throat> and it was Boxing Day or something. Gary Lineker scored. We got hammered. I played up, I played up front with Gary, I think, and and I can tell you about about five touches, chased and closed, chased and closed, because that's how they kept the ball at the yeah. back. And we 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 won one nil or something. It was a fluke. And Gordon Mill just said, you know what? Enjoy that because you might never do that again in your careers when it Anfield. And I bet Gordon was no bad judge either. He was right. Yeah. I've never won there again. Listen, so um, I just wanted to get that in for the sake of poor old Gary Gillespie who's going to have to listen to you two crowing about the semi-final. <laughs> but it was an example of how the two teams were back in that day. Let's look back at the uh, the early rounds now. Guys, uh, Crystal Palace in the, in the third round uh, drew... Um, Portsmouth and uh, I think you won 2-1 at Sellers Park do you, do you remember what you remember of that game I think we went behind didn't we you did, yeah, you was did. It Portsmouth had Mc- 1-0 McLaughlin? at half time was it McLaughlin scored Alan McLaughlin scored yeah, yeah. and then um, uh, Jeff Thomas got a long range volley and then Andy Gray is going to come, turn up a lot mm. in this story not not Aston Villa's Andy Gray but uh, Andy Gray a strong competitive midfielder who never lifted a foot once he got to Spurs but that's another story Andy, Andy Gray <laughs> is that fair actually, no no it's not I'll tell you now Andy Gray had, had yes good the player. potential in him on his day to be as good as it could be yeah, in, sure. in the centre of midfield. He had power, he had pace. Correct. He, he could, could hit shoot, the ball as hard pass. as anyone I've ever seen. Yeah. He could shoot from distance, he had a pass in him. He played was, for England, Danny. He did, yeah. he did, yeah. Now, five, five of that Palace team yeah. played for England. Mm. See, that so was the work, that was the work in progress. Under, was that under Graham Taylor, though, boys? Was Mark, it? Carlton it, Palmer's it was, got 13 England caps. Don't but, tell me yeah. that means but anything. It's, it's, it's relative. It has to be. The opinion of the current England manager at that time was this person fits what I want to do. So, you, you know, and Glenn when, Hoddle didn't have as many And when you say five of that England uh, Palace team went on to play for England, you should bear in mind that that was the... Lo- I mean, this is I'm saying this in all seriousness. The low point. No, 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 I'm not. I'm going to say this, and mm. Gary will probably know what I'm going to say. Yeah. That was the last all-English 11 to make a Correct. semi-final Correct. or a final of the FA Cup. In fact, an all-English 13, if I, if I remember Correct, rightly. Correct, yeah. David, David Madden, um, uh, was it Rudy Hedman? Rudy, in, in Rudy was in the semi, and it was, a day, it was Madders and McGoldrick... No, there no, were no. all English flags on Wikipedia. Yeah. If you look anywhere, mm. I know I've, I've seen that before. Um, Gary, uh, you, I mean, you missed a lot of these early rounds because uh, I think Glenn Hussain had kind of started to play in your place, and also, and of course, you were, as, with all due respect, you were perpetually itch, injured or on the verge of injury. Um, and Liverpool made hard work of the early rounds of this FA Cup, although yeah. they, they drew nil nil at Swansea. And do you remember the replay? Yeah, I think uh, we. I think the first three rounds, I think we got drawn away from home and yeah. on each occasion. Guess, yeah. Swansea was the obviously the third round, and yeah. it was a nil-nil uh, tie. I think it was, it was and, yes. and then Liverpool obviously brought them back to Anfield three days later. And, and gave and, them what can only be described as the Crystal Palace treatment. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Eight, eight, eight nil. nil. So eight. you know it was comfortable, but you know I think it just showed we were in good company um, then. Yeah. But, but again, for, for the teenagers listening, just listen to the listen to Liverpool's goal scorers that day, and again there are half a dozen of them. John Barnes, Ronnie Whelan, John Barnes again, a hat-trick by Ian Rush, Peter Beardsley, and then somebody called Steve Nicholl, who only got about 80 caps for Scotland. Mm-hmm. Um, an extraordinary team, and uh, you make your way through there for the third round. Then the fourth round, um, which we'll do uh, before the break here, um, you drew, uh, you Crystal Palace, drew Huddersfield Town at Sellers Park, and it was a bit of a, a, bit of a stroll for you, I think. What was four that? 4-0, nil. 4-0. Nil. <sighs> Did I get one there? Um, you did, you did. John Salako scored, mm. Jeff Hopkins scored, and it was a goal, an own goal by a chap called Lewis. Um, but clearly not a very memorable game no. for him. No. no, it wasn't, because um, 
Well, uh, we, we kind of scrambled our way a couple of times. We didn't, we, not, we didn't, fair, we didn't well. meet anyone big on our way to the semi-final, well, uh, we'll all due respect we'll, to the clubs that we did. We'll right. come on to the, uh, the, your lucky fluky draws until you've got Liverpool um, <laughs> in, in, in a little while. Yeah. Um, in the uh, again, Liverpool, as you say, right, right, quite rightly, Gary, um, they drew Norwich at Carrow Road, um, and again, uh, I mean, this says something about this Liverpool team as well. They didn't concede. It was a nil-nil draw at Carrow Road, and then you won three-one um, at uh, at Anfield. Goals by Steve Nicholl. Um, Robert Fleck uh, equal, uh, equalised for Norwich, and then John Barnes and Peter Beardsley uh, saw Liverpool through again. Um, I mean, is it, try and tell people. I'll start with you, Gary Gillespie. Try and tell people though these early rounds, um, people didn't mess around with the FA Cup like they do now. Try and tell people just how important this tournament was back in 1990. Yeah, it was. It was a second, as I say. I think first and foremost, we always regarded the the, the first division, or what the, call it what you want, yeah, uh, the top, as, the, as, top as, flight, as, the, yeah. as the top flight. Uh, that we wanted to win that, but certainly the FA Cup is far more important these days than what it is uh, uh, just now. But I think you know, any time you went away from home um, it was it was going to be difficult it was the time of the year the pitches were nowhere near as no. good as what oh, they are at this true. moment in time uh, and I remember some of the stuff is that we used to play and we went to York one year and played against York it was diabolical there it was, it was straw in the pitch because you know it was frozen uh, and the game these days would just not be played but it, so it was always difficult going away from home but can you imagine the... a sports scientist if you said we're oh. playing on a frozen pitch with straw on it <laughs> <laughs> but yeah exactly <laughs> take the positives out of that but... <laughs> <laughs> you know, Liverpool, Liverpool had the mindset really to go away from home and get a result and they obviously believed that at any time that we took a team back to Anfield then you know we were strong favourites but uh, it was never easy going away from from home especially in the early rounds in lower league clubs as well it was their cup final they would like you know these guys they'll tell you the likes of Brighty and Gary O'Reilly they'll tell you that they play above their level when they're playing against the big side and Liverpool were, were always the, the big attraction and it really put a, you know an extra step in there and and their, their pace or like they could jump a bit higher they could run quicker they could run for longer so you had to you had to combat that you had to fight you had to earn the right to go and play your football and if it meant you know getting a draw away from home and bringing them back to Anfield then so be it but Liverpool had that mindset and the, the strength of character to obviously have the belief that you could do that and still progress in the competition that still holds true now you think about Oldham and their cup run this oh, season lower well, league players will come up and yeah. go for it and, and it's fair and the other thing is television we didn't get this wall-to-wall television we had before and when the FA Cup gone you generally got a big slice of it so young people watching it were that much more enamoured yep. with the FA Cup and there was that much probably more emotional connection and the players knew they were going to be on national television in a way that now it take for granted but Correct. then it was a big game Rochdale were then mid-table in the fourth division I think Rochdale are always mid-table in the fourth division aren't they let's be fair to them um, and of course the fact that clubs like Rochdale continues to thrive is one of the great things about English football but there they are um, and you squeak through 1-0 any memories of the game guys? I didn't play uh-huh. so, no, <laughs> I, I, I don't know I broke a nail or I had some split yeah. ends or something like that but I didn't play in that game. I mean Gary we, we, let me just, let's get this right Gary I mean you were always competing for your place that season were you? With, yeah uh, uh, there was three of you I, I was always I, I shared the bed next to Gary in the treatment room I think you know uh, who else bit, was playing centre back with you but, most of that full season? Of, there was Jeff Hopkins there was Gavin Ned Bling, yeah. Um, yeah. Rudy Hedman was around, Andy yeah. Thorne came Andy, on yeah, and you, so and, you, and, you so and Jeff kind of... Um, uh, it was Jeff uh, and Andy them. and myself yeah. were probably the three rotating players, well, mainly Jeff and myself, because Andy yeah. seemed to be Andy first choice. Mainster, yeah. Yeah. Well, you mean, know, Danny, for, for, every, for every draw, the FA Cup, Wrighty and me used to be at Mitchell Thomas's house in North London. Mitchell's at Spurs then. Hmm. We just Love so happened man. to be there for the third round draw. 
and the third round draw came out. I'm and trying, we were, I dread um, to um, think what the three of you were. Except I know you, Mark, to be a decent human being. But, I can't imagine what the other two are up to, but go well, on. I can tell you, Mitch was really supportive because obviously, you know, he's at Spurs at the time. Yeah. And he said, you'll beat them. You'll beat Portsmouth. And then we went, went to Mitchell's house again that, for the yeah. next draw. Okay. Yeah, then the Hoods is, then we do, it was like a tradition thing. We have to go to Mitchell's But footballers house. aren't superstitious. Yeah, no. <laughs> oh, honestly. And then um, when, when obviously Rochdale come out, writing me, went, oh, crying out loud. This, we, we've got a chance. We've got a really good chance. Yeah. Be in the quarterfinals. And then for the quarterfinals, well, we'll move on to the quarterfinals yeah. draw. But mm. we used to go to Mitch's. And then obviously <laughs> when we drew Liverpool... We all, Mitch go, yeah, but you've, listen, you've got to play someone decent, and you're somewhere along the way. He wasn't, we, he wasn't looking we, at the aggregate 11-0 result during the course no, of the, the season, the, was the he? kind of like the, yeah, well, Liverpool, yeah, the best team left Ga- in the competition. Gary, okay. Gary, other Gary, Gary Gillespie, I mean, a team, even a team as great as Liverpool, did the players also have superstitions? Yeah, I think you do. I think uh, players are notorious for having, you know, different. Yeah, but little... if you've got the best players, you don't need superstition, do <laughs> you? <laughs> well, that's true, I, so, I suppose. But uh, no, I think every individual has their own idiosyncrasies. Like whether you want to put your left boot on last or touch the sign as, as you're walking down Anfield. I'm just looking at the rounds actually. When to- the lads mm. are talking about, they had some really tough ties, didn't they? Portsmouth, Huddersfield, and Rochdale. <laughs> Yeah, they should, they, uh, you know, no wonder they like to round Mitchell Thomas's house. Yeah, I mean, uh, incredible that. And I think all at home as well. Like, so you, you expect maybe to get to the, the quarterfinals at least. But no, I think um, you know we were we were confident against uh, Southampton, and uh, it was a great result. Any time you get drawn at home in the FA Cup, and I think it's still true today that uh, you obviously fancy chances. And uh, once again, Gary, the uh, the sign that Liverpool not taking the series, not not um, mocking this this tournament at the three 0 as you rightly say. Against Southampton, Ian Rush, Peter Beersley, and Steve Nicholl. Again, I forgot that Steve Nicholl used to get lots of goals from fullback yeah, and midfield. Did. Yeah, good, good goals. Yeah, when he played with he, Steve. he was actually uh, Stevie Nicholl. When you look at his record, it was absolutely phenomenal. What a great player as well, and, and it's really underrated in that team. Very much so. I think when you look back, certainly I've looked back uh, in, in the past years over like games and clips of him. Uh, he was a phenomenal player, and unfortunately, you know, he missed out uh, obviously in that semi-final against Crystal Palace. Did uh-huh. he not win Player of the Year? One season, Stephen. He did, indeed. I mean, yeah. how many fullbacks win Good Player finish, of the Year? Yeah. So he was, you know, that's the that's the mark for the you, you judge. Yeah. He by. came. He came to Sheffield Wednesday when it, towards mm. the end of his career when I was there, and I was, I mean, excellent finisher. Yeah. Could chip, could well, curl. Well, that's clear. Could... He scores in every round. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, listen, I would say then the quarterfinal draw comes around. Obviously, the smell of the of, of Wembley's in the nostrils of uh, all three of you and your respective clubs. They go around. I presume you go to Mitchell Thomas's yeah. house because the draw, Gary, for Crystal Palace um, uh, is uh, another they, tough one, wasn't it? Well, they could have they could have had they could have had <laughs> Manchester United, Liverpool, Aston Villa. Um, in fact, they drew uh, away to fourth division Cambridge United, the lowest team left in the tournament. Excuse me. <laughs> To test, to test with us, we had to leave South London yeah, for the first time yeah. in this away? competition. We've been drawn away. <laughs> Scandalous. And that was, listen, I mean, you pointed out, didn't you, that yeah. under under John Beckett those days... I'm going to say something, yeah. Tell us about this, that Cambridge team, because A, it had some excellent footballs. It? Liam Daish played, J- Liam Dean Dublin was in the team. Correct. And they went on. They almost reached the Premier League with that team within about three years. Steve, they were Guppy, both, Steve Guppy, Claridge was there. Correct. Guppy, Daish and John Beck, and this was when he was throwing the cold water over them before oh, they went yeah, on the pitch. he was doing all sorts of other things what John Beck did because they had this kind of chicken wire tunnel as you walked out onto the Stad Abbey and um, he started to try and do the, the, the psychology on, on the team now the South London boys were like Really? You are kidding. <clears throat> yeah. I won't tell you what was said. Needless to say, they were impervious to John Beck's chance. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I missed actually, that game. Oh. I missed that game because um, I'd got sent off 
I think it was against Sheffield. Right, sent off. Unbelievable. Um, for, for what? Can you remember? Two yellows. Oh. <laughs> and, um, I, got, I got sent off. And... No, no two tackles, mate. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm not having that. Two tackles from Martin Blake. One might have been. He must have had a migraine or something, no, Gary. One, one must have been an elbow. It must have been an elbow. I, yeah. I can't remember. But anyway, um, so Steve Cockwell had an injury as well, a bit of a hamstring injury. So I'd, I'd had an, an injection. And Steve said to him, if you want to go and get some sun for a few days. So, obviously, our, our sponsors were Virgin. And uh, they, they sent me to Miami. So, nice. I, was, I was in Miami. And, and I, was, I was gutted, Danny, because I thought, yeah, if I we am. go out here, right, he's injured. There's, nobody's pl- I think Randy Gray played up front. I'm not sure. Yeah. So, and yeah. I remember I was, uh, honest, honest to God, I was well, on the beach. John got the late goal. I was on the beach. No, he no, didn't. It was Jake, oh, sorry, Jeff, GT. No, 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 it's GT. Absolutely. Yeah. Sorry. Who, who got it? Jeff, Jeff Thomas. Thomas. Okay, yeah. yeah. So, so was, Salaka's goal was ruled out as a late goal. He got the second, but I was on the beach and I was looking at my watch and I was thinking, right, they must be finished now. So I kind of ran up to the to the hotel room and I phoned Wrighty's mum. Now, Wrighty's mum used to listen to the radio station for Palace all the time. So I went through this conversation. If you, if you, you won't have met Wrighty's mum, but she's old no. school Jamaican. So I phoned Wrighty's mum and she picked up the phone. And I went, Mama, yeah, Mark Bright. Hi, what are you doing? Um, what, how did we go on? Where are you? I'm in America. Where? Miami. How did we go on? What are you doing over there? How did we go on? It was one of those conversations. And she goes, why are you there? I said, because I'm injured and I've got a few days off. Anyway, how did we go on? She goes, Jeff Thomas called 1-1-0. I dropped the phone and ju- like did somersaults on the bed. So I just thought, semi-finals, this yeah. is it. And I was... I, I kind of like felt really anxious. Hopefully we'll draw Accrington Stanley, yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, the thing about Cambridge at the time with John Beck, they did the don't water the pitch thing. Yeah. They also sanded in the corners, so, so long because they played a very yeah. long, direct yeah. style. Then the ball would hold up in the corners. The ball boys had towels, mm-hmm. and everything was geared towards intimidating and trying to destroy the opposition in any way they possibly could. That would but, so you we guys all, wouldn't it? But, well, there, we, I think we were better at the do- direct style <laughs> yeah. of play than they were, and therefore we had that 1-0 advantage. M- meanwhile, Liverpool, draw away from home um, they draw a Queen's Park Rangers side it's hard to remember this Queen's Park Rangers side at the time contained the following players I won't name them all but it did contain David Seaman Kenny Sansom Paul Parker the late lamented Alan McDonald hmm. Ray Wilkins Roy Wegley Alan D. Simpson I could go on um, a much tougher draw for Liverpool yeah I think all these rounds were Just. tough I think away yeah. from home I, 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 Correct me if I'm wrong, Danny, but I think the QPR still have the plastic pitch then as well. You did play on the plastic pitch, uh, yeah, the bouncy plastic honestly, pitch. Yeah. It, it was the worst plastic pitch. They're playing on played sand played on. at Cambridge. You're playing yeah, on exactly. AstroTurf yeah. in, in West London. And Brighty's on a beach in Miami. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's great for team spirit, that, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Thanks for the phone call. Anyway, lads. No, like QPR, I think we, we drew 2 2 down there and brought them back to Anfield again yep. and, got the, and got the business done with uh, a 1 0 victory. But uh, as you rightly say, QPR were, they were a decent side. There, and especially down at, at Loftus Road with that difficult pitch to play to, to play on. Basically, it was a it was a piece of astroturf, a bit of green carpet on concrete. Yeah, that's exactly. And when what the ball like, bounced, yeah. you got you came off there with neck ache because yeah. you yeah. just kept looking up. I, I fell over horrible. there once. I got oh. tripped over, and that you, there was someone from the Burns Unit from the local hospital <laughs> came and treated you afterwards with all this plastic skin. Yeah, I mean. It, it was, oh yeah, it was horrific. Yeah. No, I know. I know. And what you needed, I guess, was a very big, strong centre forward if you're going to play. A lot. I know it's Colin Clark's name is on the uh, the team sheet. Colin Clark, Clark, right. yeah. Colin Clark oh, Northern just, Ireland they just, International. They just yeah. boot it up to Colin and let him fight for it on that. But on you that. know what, Danny? For for many years, I think QPR might have been London's highest finished finishing team. I mean, they used to finish above Chelsea all the time. Yeah, ain't going to happen this year, is it? <laughs> <laughs> now listen, thank what you. a cynical <laughs> note. <laughs> <laughs>
says so the no, Spurs fan. No, no, it's nothing to do with Spurs. It's just that the amount of money they've spent yeah. and the amount of money they are spending yeah. and to not win two home games. God almighty. Uh, listen, you're listening to an effort. If, if by the time this programme goes out, they're suddenly fifth, fifth from bottom, I take it all back. Of course, once you get to down to the last four, uh, I, I dare say footballers like fans are studying the, the three others and thinking, <laughs> who can we get? You could have had... Um, when the draw was actually made, you could have had yeah. Oldham or Aston Villa were still still replaying. QPR or Liverpool were still replaying. Um, I suppose you'd have probably wanted to pull the winners of Oldham against Aston Villa if, I, if you had a mm. choice. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, you'd want you want you want to increase your chances to get yeah, to the final. Mm. And there's and but having said that, when when we'd won our semi final um, game, we went and did a radio show, didn't we? And Man United and Oldham was a replay. And they said, who do you want? And we said, Man United. We kind of wanted the glamour in the final. Whereas, like, at the semis, we kind of... Because we were there. Yeah. At the semis, you wanted... Well, if, we could, if Oldham get through, we want Oldham. Yeah, bless them. Yeah, of course It's only want. natural yeah. to think like that as a fan, as a player. It's coaching stuff as well, I suppose. Gary uh, Gillespie, well, thinking back, did Liverpool have the same... I mean, presumably, even a team as, as dominant as Liverpool, you still wanted the easier draw, Yeah. Yeah, we got it, Crystal Palace. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I understand that. I understand there was there was there was bunting on the gates of Anfield after the draw was made. Yeah, yeah? absolutely. We'd, we'd nine be nil. We'd be the nine nil and two nil away from home. Who do you think we wanted? <laughs> I think I think what you got to remember that I mean you talk about Manchester United, but Manchester United I think at that season finished fifteenth in yeah, the, in the really division. Yeah, they were really poor that year. And Aston Villa came second actually to, to Liverpool. But isn't, so isn't there a danger though, with Manchester United, Gary, that um, somewhere um, even when they've got a poor team they can always pull a performance because of the history of the club whereas well, yeah. well, what did you know about Crystal Palace well, they're always the glamour club Man yeah. United they've always been certainly since I've moved south from, uh, from Scotland they've always been the glamour club Manchester United but in terms of ability and quality you know Aston Villa were probably the the, the next best team to, to Liverpool but mm. no, I think we were quite happy with the draw in all fairness yeah. as I said before you know we'd, we'd played them twice that season won 9-0 at Anfield and obviously 2-0 away at Selhurst Park so we were quite confident with whoever we actually drew but Crystal Palace yeah, I think when we looked at that draw I think we were more than happy with it to be fair to Palace um, there'd been changes hadn't there though um, the, the team that lost 9-0 at Anfield as you say never played together again um, Perry Suckling did play after the Anfield did game he? he did we, a couple of days later we had a, another away game at Southampton which we drew, drew. and Perry played. So, uh, okay, we, so we don't want to write him back, out of history quite so no, quickly. No, don't do that. Get him back in the saddle as quickly as possible. Yeah. And I think that was a, a cathartic experience for everybody to but, let's try and wash that out straight away. And we were lucky that th- it I came think, quickly. I think Gary nailed it where he said that none of the goals were Perry's fault. No. When mm-hmm. you look back, but it, re- it, it virtually put an end to his career there because uh, Nigel Martin was bought for a million pounds by now Steve that, Coppel. That, no, that, that was one of the, that's an important change, isn't it? You're getting mm. a goalkeeper who goes on to play for England here. And they, I mean, the million pound might well have been a record for a goalkeeper at the I time. Think it, it was a huge thing, was, yeah. wasn't it? I think yeah. it was, Bristol yeah. Rovers, we picked him up. And uh, a great lad, very calm, yeah. Cornishman, but talented. Very. Without a doubt. I mean, he's. I mean, I, I had the privilege to play, and, and Gary will know this guy, Ray Clements. I, I had the privilege to play in front of Ray with my days at Spurs, mm-hmm. and I would put Nigel a close second in terms of goalkeeping ability wow. to we, Ray himself. After mm. that 9-0, Danny, Steve Coppel could have gone out and bought a player for any position. Mm. You know, it's, it was that simple. Because did he make any other changes in the team, or, or did he buy any more players? Because this was before the transfer window, wasn't it? No, you could, I just, don't, you could I, just buy I, people. Do you no. know what he did? He realised what he had in the next wave and if you look back at after that squad a group of players came through that were astounding if you think Southgate Richard Shaw who bumped yep, his way into the first yeah. team 
the same Sal. youth team, Johnny Solaco was in there. Then you had the likes of Andy Woodman. You got Jamie Morley. You had Jimmy Glass. Who am I missing out? Colin David Moore. White. <laughs> David White. Yeah. What a talented striker and he was. He was in and around the squad. Chrissy Powell. Chrissy Powell was in there. Chrissy yeah. Powell had made his debut Cookie pro- came before that. We bought Cookie, but he kind of he, he came considered a youngster. But in terms of Chrissy Coleman, sorry. organic growth out of the club, that pool of players was there. Yeah. There was, it didn't have there to was, be brought in. Danny, to ask you, yeah. there was five changes, I think, from the the 9-0 game to the to the semi-final game. Right. Um, obviously, the goalkeeper, uh, Nigel Martin, came in. I think Richard Shaw, who was probably yes. there, but he actually started, didn't he? Yes. Yep. Uh, Andy Thorne came in, yep. and uh, I think um, John Salako <coughs> played as well. Yep. And, he, so, and we changed the formation as too, because it, it, it wasn't the classic 4-4-2. No. We'd come out, because Ian Wright had been taken out of the equation. Talk to me so about this. When, when did Ian way. break his leg? Can you remember? He broke it twice. Yeah. In the same Dar- season? Derby, the County, same season. Yeah. Derby County was the game at home. broke it in a comeback against in the reserves. Was it? Derby, then the Derby County game that, was the did, game I I'll think tell, Did I tell you what I'm there? So that season, early in the season, I, I'd had this hamstring problem, and which led me to having the injection to going away. To, you know, and, to Miami, uh, yeah, we remember, yeah. And, yeah. and right, I think it was... Um, I went to see this faith healer with Steve, Steve Koppel. I think her name was Olga Stringfellow. She was in Southampton. And, um, <laughs> Stringfellow, you're oh, not going to laugh I mean, at you. You went to Stringfellows with Steve <laughs> Koppel, yeah. yeah. Very good, Gary. And, um, <laughs> oh, anyway, cut a long story short, um, she, she sort of like did her stuff on me and I was okay. Sort of lasted to the end of the season. When Righty broke his leg, he went to see her as well. Different proposition and, though, isn't it? Well, totally, but... But then you know what it's like with the you have you break your leg in the, the bone parts and then it forms like a callus around the side of the bone. Yeah. Sweat. And um, he had an X-ray not long afterwards, and um, the union had joined, had sealed itself. And obviously, everything everyone knows he played in the cup final, having broke his leg twice, which mm. is virtually impossible. So, you know, he said that when he came back from seeing the, the, the August Stringfellow, that you know he, he could bang his leg on the side of the table with the plaster on it, didn't hurt. But and usually that kills you. And he was adamant. I mean, everybody. What was he doing? Banging his leg on the side of the table anyway. To make a point. To make a point. Yeah. No, that's. But everyone was behind him and we knew. I mean, when we we get to the the final, et cetera, it was like Steve had to break his heart and say, you're you're on the bench. Yeah. Yeah. And right, right. He came. You could clearly see when he came out from seeing Steve, he'd been crying. But he was a a man about it. He 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 didn't want to show the boys he was that disappointed. Anyway. I don't know. Gary Gillespie, just a matter of interest. because uh, it's easy now, but particularly after Eileen Drury, this whole business about going to see um, homeopathic, uh, yeah. non-scientific. Did Liverpool ever ever have a, a faith healer or anything like that? We never had a physiotherapist. Never mind a faith healer. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. The, the, the medical side at Anfield uh, was diabolical. I have to say, looking back, it, it, to be honest with you, you, just accepted it as part and parcel of the football club. I mean, who was anybody to come in and criticise Liverpool? The European champions won 18 league, you know, titles, uh, but we didn't have a qualified physiotherapist. Ronnie Moran and uh, Roy Evans used to give us treatment, and we were sitting in the morning and getting treatment, and Ronnie would be giving us ultrasound. I'm shaking my head still. I don't believe you. Yeah. Yeah. You've no reason to lie to me, but this, I don't believe you. Honestly, and he'd be giving you ultrasound on your ankle. You had a bad ankle or something like that, and he'd be reading the paper. And but half the through the first article, he'd be halfway up your leg on your calf, and it was your <laughs> ankle. It was, it was, it was just. Honestly, it was, it was just ridiculous. Are you sure and, he wasn't um, shaving your legs? <laughs> now, the, thing, the, the psychology there is that I don't be injured uh, well, because that, that, I, that I, was I, I'm not having the treatment because yeah. this is what I get. I got no chance. We had a great physical at the time at yeah. Crystal Palace a guy called David West and as much as Wrighty and Olga did their thing I think a lot of the credit yeah, has to was, go to David because he's, he's he 
to he be fair, he's still practicing. He? he is brilliant. He, he Absolutely was, he was brilliant. Young and the new ideas about you know yeah. stretching and all that sort of thing and strengthening and and nobody else had done any of that sort he of thing. He was way but, ahead of the curve when yeah. John Solarco got his knee badly smashed yeah. up. David whipped him straight out to California to yeah. put a, a dead man's Achilles, uh, Achilles tendon. tendon in his knee and your man went on and played for years and yeah. years and years afterwards. Only because of David's brilliance did players have any chance of playing. Mm. Meanwhile, Gary Gillespie is being treated by I Roy know. Evans on a hairdryer. This, is, this doesn't <laughs> seem right, does it? Um, Best uh, team in the country. and That, that uh, that's staggering, isn't it? it well, but that imagine was it nowadays. Imagine it. That was the mindset, though, that uh, yeah. you were no good to like uh, the manager if you were injured. And the, the theory was that you didn't want to be injured too long. But you know, I think uh, you look at it, looking back on it, I mean, nobody, could, you know, nobody would understand that nowadays. Yeah. The, the amount of you know um, sports science people that have at football clubs is, is staggering these days. But uh, certainly, we didn't have a, a qualified physio in our books. Listen, um, so let me get this right then. Again, before we come on to the match. The fact that Ian was was injured means mm. that you played, I guess, up front up on your front, own yeah. in a kind played, of very modern four-five-one. Yeah, yeah we a, did. We did man. We did man to man. Yeah, Steve had devised that what he wanted to do, and um, he said that I'll play up front on my own. And listen, you just he, he, Steve's theory was that if we if we're one or two goals in it at half time, we have a chance. And um, we had we we put all our emphasis on set pieces. We had to try and win corners and free kicks to put Liverpool under pressure set pieces because that was our strength. You know, he said Liverpool will have the ball and keep possession like Liverpool do. That's the only way they can play. Yeah. What we have to do is when we get it, we have to make a maximum impact and, and work on our set pieces. So we had Andy Gray with his delivery. And, and Gary said, touched on it. He's as good as anyone in the country at delivering the ball. He had a great shot, Phil Barber a design. great pass. Phil Barber as well, yeah. whipping into the we So anyway, that was our In the build-up to the game, a few days beforehand, we were doing shadow play. We, we were playing against the reserves. And to his credit, we had Gary Thompson. Uh, the former Watford, Coventry, West Brom striker mm-hmm. in the squad, but ineligible to play. So he was working so hard to tr- to give us a hard time in practices and all sorts of things. And you're thinking, we're coping this. We're coping this. Everything looked good. The whole shape of the our setup was good. And, just, and but I'm, with I'm all due respect to, myself, to Gary, he, he he's not Ian Rush and, and Peter Beardsley. No, n- no but, he's not. But, However, but <coughs> when you when you're playing and you're feeling the shape yeah, is right yeah. and the patterns there and everything everybody's moving in the way that you need and want them to move that was brilliant and then then you get a kind of sense of did you mark right. did you mark rush and and richard shaw marked beardsley yeah and was it was it pember with barnsley so, barnes something uh, like that yeah because john john would have started the semi final in a wider position and my my intervention on ian rush's ribs um, caused the change in, yeah, in we'll that talk, setup. We'll, we'll talk about your contribution to Ian Rush's performance in a little while. As we've been hearing, the game in 1990 was in a tremendous state of flux. It's very old-fashioned in many ways, uh, Gary Gillespie and his various treatments there at Liverpool, but it's also coming into the modern world, and uh, these the, the semi-finals are an example of that because um, they split the two semi-finals for the first time ever. Yep. They didn't kick off at the same time, and also I think they're both live on television for the first time ever, which means that you three were part of teams who had to kick off at midday. Uh, which is an unusual occurrence, and I, I wonder if, if, if it means that you've got no time to really build up to the game. You, you just have your breakfast and go and play, I suppose, yeah, you, do you? you don't get involved in lunch, you have a decent breakfast, but the build-up to the game when we parked up in a hotel in Sully Hole was interesting because... With a moat. With a moat, yeah. of course, why not? Yeah. And 
we had to break into a school playing field the day before through the fences to get a practice match, to get some sort of practice going. Mm. And that was our intense, really scientific mm. build-up to the first semi-final of the I day. Know, I don't know how you... I mean, other Gary, Gary Gillespie, I don't know how you possibly lost to this shower, but... Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> did, you, did, did you stay in a hotel or did you drive down from Liverpool in the morning? You must have stayed in a hotel, I guess, Gary. You know, I, I, I can't really remember. Oh, right, I, think, okay. I, think, I think we would actually just travel down on Just the another day. semi-final for Liverpool, yeah, just, isn't it? Yeah, it was just another semi-final possible trip to Wembley for the 16th time in in, uh, in that decade yeah uh, so no I think we just travelled down on the day if I recall I might be wrong about that I'm sure somebody will uh, phone in and let, let us know but uh, it was just another I think the, the morning kickoffs or the early kickoffs does throw you a little bit out of kilter I think people that like a pre-match I know Peter Beersley for every game his pre-match meal was to get up early in the morning and have a, a full English breakfast so he probably was okay but the rest of the lads might have been like a little bit Different. Gary, to be fair, Mark Bright makes the point uh, that these morning kickoffs, which I always think are a bit slow to get going, um, when you've seen modern players playing them, he says it shouldn't be like that because uh, they, you normally train at 10 o'clock in the morning anyway. Yeah, well, but you're normally finished by half 12, you see, that's the thing. You yeah. know, you're, 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 you're in you're the normally bookmakers not, by one, yeah. Yeah, you're, not, you're yeah. normally oh. knocking off by then. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, my my obviously you speak to family and friends and, and you know it's an early kickoff and it's, it's unique because it, you're making history in terms of it's the first pair of live kickoffs both games on the same day different split times 12 and 4 I think yeah. and um, speaking to a friend of mine that morning just said um just fancy everyone's going to see you live get beat nine. <laughs> just, yeah. Are you sure that was a friend? Yeah. I mean, I mean, there is there is there is a mind mindset issue here as, as well. I'm sure Steve Copp will point this out to you. You know, for Liverpool, with all due respect, Gary, and, and you know that their professionals meant it wouldn't be a problem. It was another semi final towards another final, presumably. Yeah. For Crystal Palace, they'd never reached a final of a, of a major tournament before. They'd never won. Yeah. I think they won a championship. You know, Danny, Division it, one. But. It was the biggest game of every Crystal Palace play, Crystal Palace player's life. It's that simple. For, for Liverpool, it wasn't because it's another. It's just another game to get them to where they want to be. Yes, where they've been before so many times, and where they belong, yeah, and they will argue, continue to yeah. go back to. Yeah. This was crafts for us. We were mongrels, <laughs> which we've already touched on. Well, that's the way I looked at it. But we, it was you our got quite, chance. Well, why, why, you got very wiry hair, Gary. I can yeah, see well, yeah. My, as, I, as I'm Down talking, boy. my tail is wagging. Yeah, uh, stop ha- not hanging that biscuit in front of my nose. <laughs> you like uh, yeah, and, biscuit? And it, yeah, I promise you. Yeah, I guess that. Yeah. But I think for us, it was a case of like. We've got something. We were we were all motivated. We were players that maybe hadn't gone as far as we wanted to do in the early parts of our career. We had points to prove, and this was a wonderful stage. Yes, there was the intrepidation of facing what was probably the greatest club team at that moment in the world. But okay, we were here, and we had every chance as them, as in our mindset, to achieve something. Okay, well, listen. Uh, next, we'll be focusing on the game itself, which swings one way and then the other, and then back again before Palace eventually win. I don't mind. It's not a spoiler. I'll give it away. It's 4-3 after extra time. Unbelievable game. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science, with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. So game time, guys. The first half um I guess you could have expected it, if not dominated by Liverpool. A lot of, a lot of uh, Liverpool possession and much of what you trained for, Gary O'Reilly, um, in, in the week running up to it. Yeah, not seeing the ball a great deal. Um, yeah. you, think, <laughs> <laughs> you think, where is Ian? Oh, he's the player that's running away from you right now. And, you know, you had Rashi to cope with. You've got John Barnes in support. You've got Beers. You've got Marn. You've got some of the standout players. In English football, at this particular, this my apologies to Ray. Team, yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's I a phenomenal team. Me here at Talksport, I think would never forgive and, me. And uh, I, I do believe that I had a spasm in my right shoulder, and my arm shoots up in the air. Now, <laughs> hang on, see, no, 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 we're, we're going to. I want the man-to-man system. I want Danny. to warn all three of you that, uh, <laughs> of course, we can enjoy the banter and the exaggeration that's natural after nearly a quarter of a century. God, for, God bless mm-hmm. us all. Um, but I made, a, I took the precaution last night of watching the game from start to finish. So <laughs> any outright lying about your part in it will not be tolerated. Okay. Okay, so there's a phantom offside. I have no, a Tony Adams spasm right. in my in no, my right arm. All right, you, I mean, let me let's just remind Gary Gillespie. You were playing at right back, and um, so you were probably seeing some of Mark Bright, and you, Gary O'Reilly, are playing in the middle of the defence for for, uh, uh, Palace. for for Palace with 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 Gary with uh, sorry, Andy with, Thorne. With, with Mark playing playing up front on his mm, own. Yeah. yeah. So the first goal, we got to hear a lot of goals. Well, let's hear how it was commentated. Let's hear how it actually went. Ian Rush gives Liverpool the lead in what is a pretty steady. Uh, and, and unremarkable by comparison to what was going to happen first half all very matter of fact I would make the point there that Steve McMahon lost the ball in midfield Gary Gillespie but Alan Pardew gave it back to him which is very Correct. kind of him and then Gary O'Reilly the man you're marking appears <laughs> Thank you, in, Danny. In, the penalty, in the penalty area <laughs> apparently unmarked because you're 15 yards away waving your hand in the air presumably at some relative you've seen in the crowd I didn't think he'd score <laughs> it was only because ru- he, he never does yeah. no nah, it was only rushy you, and, then, and then we're faced with these, the spectre of Ian scores they don't lose yeah that, that's right and that, that was the mantra so it was like oh, but in all seriousness Gary I mean you, you're in, in the, watching the, 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 yeah. the, the game yesterday you kind of try and step out and it, the ball yeah, gets I've, played past I've you I've made a complete 
faux pas, I believe, the uh, technical hashier. term. Yeah. Yes. And therefore, we got what we deserved, or I got what we deserved, and these guys have had to pay for it along with me. It's always the problem. You know, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not a technician of the game, but McMahon has no pressure on the ball, so you can't be stepping forward. You've got to go backwards. I, I think in theory. I, that's I, the theory. Danny, I have the seat next to you, because given, <laughs> given my action at that moment, I, I couldn't be accused of being a technician of the game. No, either. no, no. It, it was, for, for me, watching from, from stand-up front of my own, when he went through, I thought, oh, no, miss. And he, and he scored and you're, you're already aware because all the mm. papers tell you when, when Rush scores Liverpool win and um, am I right in thinking at that stage he had never lost they'd never lost a competitive game and he scored like he probably scored 250 goals by this stage no that, that, that's oh. that's not quite oh, true thank that. god uh, oh, thank no, you because um, it all changed in the League Cup final in 87 against Arsenal we, oh. we, scored, we scored first and Rush scored and then Charlie Nicholas popped up and scored two goals so that wasn't quite the case but uh, so it was Rush normally scored, a Rushy scored. We, we, we did normally well, win. What are your oh. recollections of the first half, Gary? It, it was a kind of non-event, really. Yeah. I think mm. we were talking earlier on yeah. about you know the the morning kickoff or the early kickoff, and uh, it was it was relatively subdued. It was a sunny day. The pitch was a bit bobbly. Um, not great conditions, I have to say. But uh, I think we kind of dominated possession as you probably expect. And then Gary Riley, you know, man marking. Uh, well, you know, gave up on that and, and tried to play tried to play offside. But then Rushy went off, didn't he? he went off after thirty minutes. Yeah, um, um, I I had a part in that. Tell us about oh, right. that, Gary. Um, did you ask him? Did you say, please, go off now? Uh, no, but I, I, I did it in a way that I, I didn't quite stop as I went to close him down. Right. And uh, I think he's... Are you proud of this? No, not of course not. No. No, there was no intention for me to injury and to get him right. out of the okay. game. There's nothing, nothing along those Palace, lines. It's not Wimbledon. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and it was a collision and Ian comes off worse with his ribs, as far as I'm aware. And, and could you tell, I mean, from the way he was moving and running that, that, that he wasn't right? Oh, he wasn't moving. He oh, was struggling. Right. And that then changes the dynamic of Liverpool's setup because they don't have, because don't forget in those days, there's two only subs. two and subs. A, and then not... They had, they had, they had, they had, they had two defenders. Two defenders. And um, was, well, Barry Venison would have been the other. Yeah, yeah. So exactly. they, they had to so, defensive so players. So now their focal point is John Barnes. So now I don't have to worry about Ian Rush's pace going in behind. Did John come and, and John, play centre forward? And he you, does, and yeah. Team, yeah. So therefore he's going to be playing in front of me. Therefore we can condense the pitch just a little bit more, put our midfield in contact with their midfield. John's not slow, but he's no, he's no, no Ian Rush, no. No, he's, there were a few like Ian no, Rush. Right, yeah. and, uh, and John's a, a supremely talented yeah, footballer at this yeah, time. So, yeah. But it was a different player to cope with and we weren't worried too much about getting caught in behind. And so now this whole thing begins to change and, and starts to become more advantageous for us. I, I can barely remember anything in the first half except for Rush scoring. I don't there, remember. There's a, there's a short break. <laughs> I, unless I'm involved, Gary. Yeah, exactly. yeah. But I, I, don't, I don't remember having many touches. I just remember closing and running and chasing and trying to trying to put the team under pressure, which I couldn't do on my own. You'd have been running in between, I guess, well, uh, Glenn Hussain and, 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 and Alan Hansen. Yeah. But when we got in at half time, I think the first thing I said to Coppola is, I haven't had a kick. He said, sit down, don't worry, keep calm. And then. Everybody came, we, we all sat down, and he just said, we're in it, we're involved. We are involved in this game. And he wanted us to, well, we, we just, yeah. we talked about the instant immediately after half-time and the positivity of, of, of players be, you know, like John Pemberton. Meanwhile, but, Gary Gillespie, the, the, um, in the Liverpool dressing room, there was rather more going on. You're 1-0 up, but not all the players, including yourself, are entirely fit. 
Yeah, well, I mean, I was surprised. I played right back in in the game, and um, John Salako was your wide left player. And I, I thought I was going to be in a little bit, you know, a one against one situation, a lot more than what I was. But it never kind of panned out that way. But at half time, I did feel my um, groin go just before half time, and uh, so at the half time interval, we're in the dressing room. I've got a problem with my groin, um, you know. So it's touch and go. Do I stay on or do I not stay on? And little be known to me, really at the time, uh, I think Ray Houghton was having. A problem as well. Ray had missed a lot the, that season. Ray had a back injury that started to flare up yeah, again. Yeah, I, and and he really was struggling. So it was again, it was a little bit of a toss up. I didn't, I wasn't really aw- totally aware of no. this. But then the, the situation again. We talked about it earlier on about Aldo playing in that nine nil game, and that was his last game. You know that would have been the ideal strike. You know substitute to come on for Rushy, striker for striker. But we didn't have that on the bench. We had Steve Staunton and we had Barry Venison. So in the end, I ended up coming off with the groin strain. Ray played. Uh, on that right hand side and then Barry Venison came on as a right back now I think the, the, the build up to the game we knew that Crystal Palace would be good at set plays we knew that we'd be put under pressure with any you know corners free kicks so the lack of height there with me going off probably played a big factor in, in, in that second well, half in well, the performance what a start to the second half it was remarkable because the following things happened Liverpool kicked off but Crystal Palace scored within 10-11 seconds and the goal, Mark Bright, mm. is not a bad finish at all. Tell, tell us some. Um, I'll ask actually. I'll ask. Uh, I'll ask you to describe the goal because you're the one who gets the goal. Well, what happened? Um, well, there was a bit of a mix-up on the left-hand side. I think as John Pemberton picked the ball up, I think just by the halfway line, and he just set off. And as Pembo does, he's, he's I think probably this is from Liverpool's prob- kickoff. Yeah, yeah, probably the quickest play in our side at that yeah, time. Just and he, off he went down the right, and he just knocked it. Went, knocked it, went again. So obviously you make your way into the box. The cross came over. I think Solarco yeah. had had a shot at the far post. It kind of it came back off somebody to me. I'd gone into the near post and fell over. I got back up again, and when it came back to me, I sort of, I sort of hit a left foot volley. And I think Steve McMahon was on the line, and I think it just went off his foot. Touched the top of his head and but went it appeared to, the back. to be flying when he would yes. have killed him if it hit him properly, yeah. it killed him, wouldn't it? I so. mean, he, he just went back to the line to protect the goal, and, and I caught it, it was sweet. And you know, he rocketed in off his head, and virtually <laughs> that was about my fourth or fifth touch in the game because I didn't, I wasn't involved in it. So, my first touch in the second half went to the back of the net, we were back in it, and obviously, right in front of the whole end, which was a, a split, wasn't it? 50 yeah. 50 with the fans, mm. and um, you know, Pembo was virtually <laughs> he'd carried on his run into the crowd, let's, I think. Let, so, from where I am, I've got a great view of it. Mark's involved in things that are beginning to develop. Yeah. When Pembo goes on that run, we know how quick he is. Yeah, yeah, the guys in the stadium, it's one of those moments where they go. Oh my God! Look at that! And he just—he just cartoon quick. He yeah. just goes off. And then I think if you look now and again, there's a challenge takes place in the game that, that galvanises a team or or yeah. gets the fans excited and in, invigorated. That was it. That moment when John goes off and a goal comes on the back of it. Palace fans are saying, "We're in it. We've actually, let alone get beaten up, we've scored." Gary Gillespie, do you, as you say, suddenly with the, the substitution that been made, including your own disappearance, when that cross comes in from Gary, from uh, from John Pemberton, um, nobody from Liverpool attacks the ball. They're lacking height, aren't they? 
Well, I never actually saw. I was still in the the treatment right. room, I was in the dress room getting treatment from uh, the physio who was on the bench. So I wasn't getting treatment from any physio. I was just doing it myself. Uh, so uh, yeah. I did you have the what, did you have the the wax boot with you? Yeah, no, I was literally sat on the bench with a, a bag of ice. So I did. You know, I watched it. Like I have watched it since then. And uh, you know, I think Pemberton. You know, he is quick. I think he ran past David Burrows, yeah. who was, was no slouch. And then Ronnie Whelan uh, tried to, to get over. Different a now, now, Roddy isn't the quickest, I have to say that. Uh, but uh, then the ball flighting to the back post. And I think Barry Venison does exceptionally well. He, he's come on for me, gets a header, and then the ball eventually falls to Brighty. And I have to say, as much as it hurts me, it was a quality finish. It was Thank a really good game. And, uh, <laughs> and that, that, was, that was the kind of game changer, I think, because as, as Gary rightly says, it gave them the momentum that they needed. Had the game gone maybe another 5, 10, 15 minutes or something like that, then we would probably got into a routine or into a pattern of play to try and keep the ball, make passes, and the game might have passed you know, powers by, but that that certainly gave them the impetus. And after that, you know, when I came out uh, watching the second half, it was kind of backs to the wall for, for long periods of that yep. second half, particularly with Crystal Palace and the set pieces they were getting, which were causing lots of trouble from my viewing of the game last night. Well, listen, let's talk to somebody else who was on the pitch at that time and for the remarkable events of the next um, hour or so. Um, of course, he's a great friend of the station and I think a very brave man because I've already made him sit through the whole of the 1988 <laughs> FA Cup final. It's a, uh, a good friend, Ray Halton. Hello, Ray. Uh, how are you, boys? Very good. Hey, Thank you. Thanks for oh, joining us. Uh, I was, I'm, and I say, congratulations, Ray. <laughs> you're, you're, you're a very brave fellow. You're, you're always prepared to put up with the uh, adversity as well as the triumphs. Now, we just we talked about the half-time discussion about your own injury. How badly hurt were you playing out on the right-hand side for Liverpool, Ray? Well, I think it was a toss-up between Gary and I who were going to come off. I mean, who was the worst... I uh, was going to stay off. Gary won that one, as he normally did. Yeah. Uh, he <laughs> well, he's telling us that's because they had no physio at Liverpool. No wonder you weren't fit. No, we, we, didn't, we didn't have a video. A video a physio, should I say. Yeah, it was Roy Evans that you should yeah. have after, believe it or not. I mean, gone are the days. That's all changed now, thankfully. But, uh, yeah, it's Gary. I was just listening to Gary. Very interesting. Very happy to put his own ice on. Well, that was a, a recurring theme throughout <laughs> my five years at Liverpool. Where very much you, you treated yourself particularly in the mornings before... Uh, Ray, Ga- Gary Gillespie was describing some kind of weird wax-melting machine they had as well. Well, we had a lots of uh, machines. Uh, unfortunately, Danny, a lot of them didn't work. <laughs> you know, it was only when we had a good electrician that came out, he realised that some of them had been broken for years and we'd been sitting there... Uh, like fools for 10, 15 minutes at a time thinking this machine was getting us better when obviously it wasn't even working. But, uh, yeah, there were some some crazy days. But talking about the game itself, I I certainly felt that the way that Palace came out for the second half, obviously uh, Stevie Cotwood said a few words to them at half-time. I think along the line, just get stuck into them. Let's put Liverpool on the back foot because the first half, apart from Rush's goal, not a great deal happened. We didn't have many chances. They didn't have many chances. And really, you know, we were there. I think we were there for the taking. I thought we, we looked a bit tired uh, uh, going into the game. We, we had a couple of injuries uh, during the first half where Gary went off at half-time, Rushy went off. So we used up both our substitutes. Uh, and we had to change a lot around. You know, Barnsley went up front. Uh, Stevie Staunton played on the left-hand side of midfield. Barry Fenson came in his natural right-back position. But there's a few changes that we had to make. And well, just the way that they started, Danny, in the, sec- in the second half was brilliant. Pemberton's run. 
the crossing and Brighty, uh, what a fantastic finish, and you know got them right but, back in. But it. guys, after 70 minutes, um, while we might have expected a fantastic finish uh, from Mark Bright, because that's what he's made his career doing, we then have the second major contribution of the game from Gary O'Reilly, having waved Ian Wright through for the uh, opening goal Ian of the Rush, game. Yeah. Rush, who yeah. knew? Sorry, <laughs> in Rush, beg your pardon. Who knew that this was going to happen? Are they in front? I, you yeah. couldn't believe that. Even, no even one can believe it. The temerity to go in front against Liverpool. And you've got to remind us. <laughs> tell us about the goal, Gary. It's all of about six yards out, if less, probably not even that far. And then I'm thinking... But again, the ball's bounced down from another cross into Liverpool area. And I think the great thing that we, we'd worked out is containment from set plays. It's maybe not the first phase, it's the second phase. We had what we called the umbrella around the outside of the 18-yard area, if you think about that arc. Mm-hmm. We'd post players on there to contain any ball that came out. And if it was scrappy and it was falling, we were, we were proactive in making something happen out of it. And I was lucky. I didn't have to think about it. It fell in front of me. I just struck it. I mean, normally, it's endangering the corner flag rather than the back of the net. But on this occasion, I got lucky. Yeah, the, the linesman is ducking. Yeah, as yeah. It comes well. No, it's fan- I think fantastic. Gary might be still the only centre-back who scored in a semi-final and a final of the FA Cup. Well, we'll hear about in the same season. The show, yeah, absolutely. Same, yeah. 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 I mean, but one thing I will say to to Ray Houghton and to uh, Gary Gillespie, that Liverpool team, which uh, Ray, you know, I hold in the absolutely the highest possible esteem, that particular Liverpool team of 88, 89, 90, um, they, they, that might have been enough in the semi-finals to put other teams um, off their dinner. But of course, Liverpool not like that, are they? And so uh, you will have, I don't know how you did it, but you will have gathered yourself then to, to make a comeback. Well, we dug in, Danny. That's what we had to do. I mean, if, if we didn't, I think there was a chance that Palace might have run away with that stage <clears throat> because the, their confidence had soared from the first goal from Mark. You know, as soon as they got back to 1-1, you could see there was a confidence about them, a belief about them. You know, I heard Gary talking earlier about the momentum that they got, and I think that was usually important for them. And at that stage, they were the better team. But, you know, great sides and you know, teams that have done it in the past at Liverpool, you know, you, they dig in and they find a way of, of, of producing moments that get you back into games. And we've done that. We got it back to 2-2 two, two, and then 3-2 two up. We, we seven well, minutes, eight minutes to go. Well, what happens in the last 10 minutes? I mean, it, it's easy to talk about, you know, the most astonishing this and the most astonishing that. But it is a very, even by the standards of, of football, you know, uh, it is an astonishing last 10 minutes of the game. Um, from being 2-1 down, Liverpool turn it around, a penalty, um... Uh, Steve, uh, remind me how did the penalty go, Gary? Were you, you, it was John Pen- it's John Pen- yeah. and Pen- Barnes, Pembo is still it? not convinced. Stevie Stone, Stevie Stone, wasn't <laughs> yeah. he? Bro- broke into the box and Pemberton. Give credit to Stevie because he as he he cuts across uh, yes. John Pemberton and it's basically a coming together of legs. Mm, you yeah. see it so often these days. You didn't see it so often back in that uh, in the good old days. George Courtney was in a great position though. He was yeah, very it, very close it, to it. It was a stonewall penalty to be honest with you. And uh, John but, Pemberton would argue with you, yeah, but I, I, think, <laughs> I, I, think, I think he'd lose it, but he'd. <laughs> argue with you anyway there yeah. wasn't many arguments about the penalty no, there, Gary, was no, there? I, th- no. I think we just accepted that I mean I think uh, Andy Gray tries to do a number on George Courtney I think at one stage he actually embraces the referee and tries yeah. to whisper in his ear put Barnsley off yeah. taking it isn't he well and John Barnes scores the equaliser that's after 81 minutes to make it 2-2 already, it's already a great game by this stage mm. um, and then Ray oh. Houghton you, uh, <clears throat> you, you take the lead two minutes later yeah, we did. Yeah, we went three-two up, Danny. And great credit to us. Can you remember? Ones, the, can you, you know, remember that goal? 
I, I can't remember the goals. No, yeah. I think no, Danny. I think it, I think the penalty was the, the, yes. the goal to take us the two up. The first yeah. the first one was a, uh, a free kick down the right Mc hand Mc side. Yes. And was it Steve, yeah, it was uh, yeah. What happened was Steve, Steve Stone. Yeah, yeah, Steve Stone. Stood over, Sorry, Steve Stone and uh, Barry Venice were over yeah. the ball, and we all thought it was going to go across. And Steve slips Barry Venice and down the outside of the wall. He pings it across first time, and it falls to Steve McMahon on the edge of the box, and he smashes, smashes it into it. the top corner. Yeah. That was that was the goal to get us. Uh, yeah. on level terms and Barnes's penalty was the yes. one to take us to 3-2 to and it should have been the one that takes you to Wembley because yeah. that's the way the world works except that with uh, with two minutes to go Crystal Palace get their equaliser scrappy it was a scrappy yes. equaliser but it doesn't matter does it uh, did it come back off McMahon's chest and Andy did you get an assist in there I think Maltzman was trying I, I to give think, you an assist I think Bruce Gobbler came out to try and punch and I think I just kind of jumped in, in his way I'm sure of that Gary, Gary might know but I think it does pop up but what you've got what you get the sense of is we swarmed. Yes, we we were kind of, we swarmed into the box, and, and you you hear about people that got to get numbers in the box, and we were there. We came in numbers. There was no reverse in the gearbox, Danny. I mean, you talk about the character that Liverpool had. Yes, I, I think, and, and rightly so, their character of champions. And but we had this kind of naivety that don't have a reverse in the gearbox, so why look well, for it? Three, Just you could go hear the commentary. Forward. It said three minutes to go, yeah. so obviously you throw everybody in there, and what you're hoping for is a break. You remember Gary's gone off. He, he's obviously six foot plus. Mm. And and we we just get everybody in and around the, the guys who are attacking the ball for the pieces as we call them. I mean the guy, that's three three. Um, the, the, the extraordinary thing is that we're well, going to talk about the extra time in a second. But you almost won it. I mean Ray Houghton again because you, you're here with me. I mean, do, do, am I right in thinking that Palace hit the crossbar then between yeah. uh, between three three and the and the, and the final whistle? Yeah, I think it was Andy Thorne yeah, that had the, uh, the chance. Andy hit the crossbar, oh. uh, and I could have won it for them. You know, that's how football changes. You know, it was amazing how you can come back and you feel that it's yours. It's yours for the taking. You're three two up, uh, three minutes to go. I think with that with that goal as well, if my memory serves me right, it was where I think the three of the lads had pushed up, and Glenn Hussain had dropped off and played a few of the Palace boys on side, and from there they kept the ball alive in the box, and that's what got them. As Gary O'Reilly was chance. explaining what they did, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then uh, then you've got uh, the the opportunity for Thorny when he hits the crossbar. Whoa. And then when we get into extra time, I've got to say, that, you know, they were in the ascendancy. Palace looked the more likely, the more threatening. And uh, it's amazing how many times you come back from adversity. But I just think it was one step too far from us. You know, being 2-1 down, we showed our resolve and our guts and determination to get 3-2. But then... Fair play to Palace, they came back to 3-3 and certainly the momentum was with them at that stage. Well, Ray, I'll spare you the uh, the agony of that extra time because that's what we'll be talking about next after that incredible second half with the game level at 3-3. The match goes into an extra 30 minutes. And let's be joined by somebody else who wore the Crystal Palace shirt that day. Uh, Jeff Thomas is on the line now as well. Hello, Jeff. How are you doing? Very good indeed. Listen, we've uh, talked through the, the actual match where, of course, you've been written out of it by Brighton and <laughs> O'Reilly. Apparently it was all about how brilliant they were. Um, oh, and, yeah. and, and the Palace midfield did nothing that day. Go, go, t- tell us, uh, I'll allow you, Jeff, just to get, football fans are always fascinated by what happens in that talk before the extra time starts. Can you remember the atmosphere among yourself and the, and the, and the fellow Palace players and Steve Koppel? Well, I just remember that um, the game was going backwards and forwards and I think with us getting the equaliser just before the, the 90 minutes were up, I think we had the momentum going forward and... Uh, we were very positive, and our fitness levels were at such a level that we we felt confident we could do it in the, in extra time. Um, and what about yourself? I mean, uh, we, despite what these two have been saying, I presume <laughs> I presume you are pretty tired yourself because it was an amazing, particularly the second half, was an amazing game to play in. 
Yeah, it was. And um, but I think because a lot of the guys, I think there was only Andy Thorne out of our eleven who'd ever experienced Wembley, and I think mm. the carrot was too big for us to feel tired. And I think uh, the Liverpool guys, you know, a fantastic team. They've all experienced bigger occasions than that one, and it was it was we got wrapped up in it all and. Rather than sort of uh, being scared by it, we really sort of um, rose to the occasion, and you know, it, it, the extra time we, 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 from my memory, I think we had, we dominated it. Okay, well, listen. Um, uh, at the risk of upsetting uh, Gary Gillespie, but of course he, he was off the pitch this time, so he's not going to get the blame for it. At least the goal comes after 109 minutes, and it is the uh, the now very famous and busy Alan Pardew who gets the goal. I was going to say Gary Gillespie, another mm. another headed touch in your penalty area. They were missing yeah, you. Yeah, I think if you were to look at it nowadays, you know, with the scrutiny that's put on with Sky yes. and and things like that, and analyse it, you know, we we would be absolutely lambasted the way we defended the the, the near post corner. And all credit to uh, Crystal Palace. I think we knew going into the game, as I said before, that we would be under pressure from set plays, and certainly that was the, the way it proved. I think all credit to Andy Thorne. It was a great near port. Uh, I was going to say, flight. watching the game yesterday, as I was, the, uh, it, it's out of fashion now, that corner to the near yeah. post with a, with a centre-half or, or a striker heading it on. Because, of course, once it's had that first touch, it's then impossible to defend. You all know that, Gary. Well, but people don't do it anymore. Well, the, you, the, the guys were talking about earlier on, you know, second balls, it's always difficult to defend second it, yeah. balls yeah and it used to be a regular occurrence that you know the big centre back or your centre forward be the, the one to get to the near post get the flick on and then everybody piling in at the back and that's how you actually got the goal I think Andy Thorne's you know header in normal time was probably the best opportunity the best chance that, that Palace had and he, he rocketed it against the crossbar but all in all I think uh, we were a little bit dead in our feet yeah. and I think Jeff Jeff makes a good point that you know it was probably Palace wanted that a little bit more. It meant a little bit more to them to get to a, a, a Wembley Cup final than maybe what it, it did to the Liverpool lads. And you don't think that at the time, but when you look back on it, um, you know, 23 years down the line, and you watch it again, that might have just been the case that we'd, you know, we'd been there twice that season already. We'd we'd uh, we'd played in the Charity Shield. I think we played a tournament and uh, Makita tournament. Yeah. I think at the, the pre-season. And in past seasons, we were regular visitors to Wembley. So, again, I think it was a bigger occasion for the, the Palace guys uh, than maybe course, what it was for the Liverpool Of course, lads. on the day, you don't feel that, Gary. No, you, but you it, don't, but, no. but, but looking back on it, you, you can make some kind of suggestion of that. Let's say we get through to, to, to the final whistle then and... Um, the celebrations, um, the pile of crystal. Pa- Sorry, Gary, to count you out. This. Yeah. Um, uh, let me. I'm going to let me start with Jeff Thomas. Jeff, where were you in the pile of Crystal Palace players? I mean, it just comes to a giant haystack of Palace players on top of each other. Uh, I think I was right in the middle of it. Yeah. I mean, first of all, as captain of the side, I felt I had to go around all the Liverpool players. As did you? Many yeah. As did I could. you? Did you manage to to, to to shake hands? Yeah. Yeah, I tried to. Um, yeah. But you know, you really wrapped up in it all, and the excitement of the exception, of course, is Steve Coppel, who goes very, yes. very, very remarkably quickly down yeah. the tunnel, not looking left or right. He just he uh, just left it for the players. He thought it was their moment. And um, I can remember Wrighty hobbling off the bench with his plaster on and his long overcoat, yeah. r- racing on to, to sort of embrace and Surprised not know during the game. Yeah, <laughs> not knowing quite what to do. Do you go shake hands with the opposition? Do you celebrate yourself? And it was one of those really strange moments. And then mm. we ran towards the, obviously the, uh, the 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 whole tender, isn't it? Yeah, and just celebrated in front of it, and that's where the pylon began. began. And I, I don't know. I think at that moment there. 
like the, the realization that you know we'd made it through to the FA Cup final. It was like against the best team in the country, one of the best teams in the in the world. Yeah, I remember. It was, it was magical. I remember the Liverpool players showing class because this is their double gone. Yep. This is their opportunity for a double gone. And they didn't shirk the handshake. They didn't shirk with best wishes. They didn't shirk with congratulations. And then when we were at the Holt end, the one thing I will never forget, Liverpool fans, give mm. us this bunch of raggedy <laughs> mongrels a standing ovation. Now, they, they know what's just gone out the window, yet they had the class. Because they're, they're some of the most educated, passionate, football knowledgeable fans. football fans I wonder, around. I mean, you know, do you know what? I wonder with the partisanship that's been stoked up by the money and the television coverage, whether you still get the same thing today. Because football fans are now, um, we're, we're all conditioned to, it's either win or, or bust. But they, they must have known they saw something remarkable that day. They saw an amazing yeah. game of football. I think if you took that, if you took the same scenario to Liverpool fans today, i got a feeling they'd do the same. Yeah, mm. I hope so too. Listen, thank you very much indeed, Jeff. And, no problem. And uh, the, the captain of the team, of course, and uh, we're heading into the home straight to this edition of My Sporting Life. Let's talk about Glad All Over, guys, because this was back in the days when teams still made FA Cup records, whether we liked them or not. Musical or, stylings of the Crystal Palace 1990. Did you actually sing on it or did they bring in a load of... We recorded that at the Abbey Road studios. Lovely. Excuse um, me. Eric Monster Hall was our, um, yeah. was our agent and oh, we had the best day doing that yeah. honestly yeah. they've never heard voices like ours no, no. and they never will no. <laughs> <laughs> and we, the four goal scorers from the semi-final because it's Abbey Road Dan you yeah. know where this is headed go on you're, you're, zebra you're photographed on the zebra, zebra crossing, crossing. Yes. that was on the cover yeah, yeah. that oh, was that on, the cover. So, yeah. on the cover of the record so no matter who who was wearing those shoes yes you? No. no. We said he never got Do you that. know what? I've, that, got, that the, I've got the original copy. I think I okay. might have one somewhere. But well, when, I, when I speak to people in the music business, yeah. uh, my, you know, I actually did record at Abbey Road. Well, it's very good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it just Shameful. Gets, for a second, you put them on the back foot. The two yeah. of you, in the, just a second ago, when we were off air, were arguing about the meaning for the Crystal Palace players of being in an FA Cup final. Yeah. Because Gary had been at a club at Spurs. Where Correct. He'd been a lot of Cup finals, mm. the traditional team. Yeah. You'd, in fact, been in the squad for the 81 or 82 yeah. final uh, and played played at Wembley in the I charity played at Wembley Shield. in the old charity shield so I, I had a taste of what was going on but, but Mark made the point this yes. was no, this was beyond the expectations of Crystal Palace football club uh, absolutely because uh, you when you play for Spurs Manchester United not they go there year after year after year they always get back when you're at Crystal Palace and you've got a chance of playing in the FA Cup final it might be your only chance so it meant more to the players to the fans to the, to the club to everyone concerned so while Gary's had the experience of being at the big club and being involved in it, for us it was it was something that you, it was it was schoolboy dreams. It really was because I, I explained the day as it was magical because to to you come can, back down the motorway to the to the, to the birth of your firstborn. Yes, because you you can't. It's very difficult when people ask you how it feels. Yeah, ask the fans how it feels. How did they feel beating Liverpool that day? It was. They, must, they were looking up... To, people still say to you on Twitter and everything, it was the best day of my life, best day of my life. No, it's not the best day of your life. It's the best sporting day, maybe. Yes. But, you know, when I'm my, my, my child, my son, I thought, I, I know I... I know what it feels. I can't quite explain how great this feels. No, it's not. And it's not four words. These experiences are not four words. This is what only contradiction has given what we're doing. But yes. It's, yeah. It's, it's I mean, for the mind, the heart. You come out at, at Villa Park on this twelve o'clock kickoff, and all of a sudden the balloons mm. go up. You are chilled. You are in some. It's never happened before, and, I, and they, it's happened since, yeah. but never in that way. And I think all of a sudden, they set the first page yeah. in glorious red and blue. The the final at Wembley um, is the first one where everyone was sat down. 
Um, I don't know if you know that it was the wow. first. It was the first all-seater final. Yeah. Um, I don't think do, everybody sat down. Do, That's Crystal, the crowd was do Crystal Palace yeah. have forty thousand fans to fill one end of, of, of well, Wembley? Apparently so. Yes. Apparently so. So yes. and plenty more. Um, the, the split was uh, like there was loads of arguments over tickets down it was like 25 20, 20 25 25 and oh then the gosh, rest yeah. as you know the FA if you're affiliated with the FA you get <sighs> tickets sent so there's always the argument the about tickets the annual farce yeah yeah so and anyway we we I mean walking out I would say from that tunnel you know that you've watched every year walking out over the sort of the sand that the, the, you've got the little sort of like carpet over that kind oh, of running and, track and the dog track wasn't it and yeah the, the balloons yeah. are all going up with guys and the noise and I don't know. There's, I think you, you're bursting with pride. I mean, you look and you see Manchester United. They've been there before. They've seen it. To be fair, they, this wasn't a great Manchester United team, though. You, I think you had well, a better chance know. in that you, final. You name, you name some yeah. individuals. All right. Robson. Sure. Ince. Parker. Hughes. Hughes. As Gary, Bruce. But as Gary Bruce pointed out, they finished in the bottom Park. half of the table. I know, yeah. but you look at that team and yeah. on, on paper. The you, basis. That's and, not bad. And the 1990 FA Cup is a particularly amazing tournament because the same day that you beat Liverpool 4-3, there was a 3-3 semi-final Correct. between Manchester United mm-hmm. and Oldham. Another amazing game. Correct. Yes. And this final at Wembley, which is not the subject of our talk tonight, mm-hmm. but just remind, people will forget, this also ended 3-3, 3-3. this game. It's... And Gary O'Reilly, mm-hmm. you became the first and no doubt only defender to have scored in the semi-final and the final when you open the scoring yeah I did and my recollection is I get the ball out on the edge of my own 18 yard area yeah. Dribble, yeah. <laughs> or, or it hits me on the back of the head and Paul Ince recently came up to me and said are you still claiming that <laughs> <laughs> but yes I am because I don't believe Paul I don't see Alan Shearer or Gary Lineker disowning any of their goals no, why should absolutely. you no that, no. Was, that was the way I looked at it yeah. I, I used to yeah. drive past Wembley Stadium on the North Circular as a child going to relatives in Ealing and thinking, I've got to play there. Mm. It's the FA Cup final. And for that, for my generation, the FA Cup final was probably, apart from an international, the only full-length live televised game Correct. you would see. And as far as romance goes, to play is one thing. To score, well, that is every childhood dream in one go. I mean, just to remind people, um, Gary gave you the lead. Mm-hmm. Brian Robson and Mark Hughes put Manchester United yeah. ahead. Ian Wright came on as well, a substitute. Uh, uh, yeah. Going back to writing, yeah. we'd played like three games like the quarterfinal semi-final uh, the quarterfinal and the, the semi-final without Ian and yeah, now yeah. we're in the final and Ian's he, he, Steve Coppola has to break the news to him I'm, I'm not starting you you know I'm because pro- he hadn't played with his he broken leg no he hadn't he had to play in a, a reserve game or something to prove his mm. fitness and Steve promised him because of what, what it meant to him and what he'd done for the club our best player was missing there's, yeah. no, there's no question no, about no, it Ian no, was no, our best absolutely. player yeah. you know so he was on the bench and everyone felt for him you know and, and, Gary, there's a moment, isn't there, when the manager names the team for the semi or the final, yeah. where the people who are not in it, it's heartbreaking. And the manager says to you, focus on the task ahead. Now, they used to, they used to name it on the day sometimes, but usually the day before. Yeah. And it's so upsetting. People like Eddie McGoldrick, who had been brilliant for Palace, he'd not got an ankle injury, couldn't get himself fit. Um, and, and anyway, so Ian Wright's on the bench. And anyway, a couple sends him on. As he promised, you will get on that final, regardless of the score. And he came on, he looked at me, he looked at him, we nodded. The ball, Richard Shaw, I think, pumped the ball forward. I flicked it, he got hold of it. Cut inside of Bruce and curled it past um, um, Jim, Layton. Jim Layton. Now, if you're talking about fairy tale, yeah, yeah. it doesn't get better than that. So even talking about it right now, I feel that I feel the little chill where we raced as one down the touchline to to jump on right because his dream had come true and virtually so we're back in the game. That made it two, that made it two two. Uh, well, it goes to extra time. Ian scores again, but very early in the extra time, which gives mm. it a long time to hold out against a good Manchester United team. 
And, uh, and as I say, it was another marvellous game. Mark Hughes gets a, gets his equaliser. Yeah, I, 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 Despite it, your best efforts, no doubt. I, I got there as soon as I could. Yeah. And, he, <laughs> and as strikers now inform me, they practice shooting between the legs of defenders. Yeah, absolutely they do. And that's where it goes through for, <laughs> Because that for gives me. the goalkeeper no chance, doesn't yeah. it? He can't and, allow for and that. And it, there was a deflection for, for one of the Hughes goals, the first goal he gets, and then this one at the end. I just, it, it's heartbreaking because I... When I see fans, seven minutes, you know. Seven minutes. Seven minutes, you know. know. And they're looking at me, and I'm yeah. thinking, if I could do it, I would, but there do, it do is. You know what, that close. It's a game, we, we not talk, an exhibition. That's why we pay to watch it, We talked earlier about the, the element of surprise or whatever, and you having your FA Cup experience. Yeah. For us, I, th- I think in our hearts we knew the day to, today to lift that cup was on the day. Yes. Yep. Once it went to the replay, I think the momentum swings in terms of the experience and the better team. The, the, re- the replay, famously, Sir Alex Ferguson was unhappy with Jim Layton's performance in the goal yeah. for Manchester United. He changed the team. Les Seeley comes in. Yes. And the game is an, is an anticlimax, isn't it? it Absolutely. The replay. It is. We, we turn out looking like Borussia Dortmund. Uh, in yellow and black stripes, yep. which I think you looked throws... like, but did not play like no, Borussia Dortmund. We were, we were terrible. Yes. terrible. Really, Danny. would you go as bad as that? It was. We... we did not give a performance of which we've been discussing in Correct. the last in the last hour or so at Villa Park or in the first game. It was and aggressive. For our, for our it, was, it, was, it was aggressive. It was nasty. It was. Mm. I just think we thought we could bully Man United a little bit. The idea was to get all put Jim later under lots of pressure with crosses. Let's see. And I've got, Let's, sorry, yeah, yeah but hold on a minute. When oh. the team sheet came in. And they said, "Oh right, Leighton's dropped and let's see." I was, we were staggered. I, I was thinking, yeah, "Wow, I mean, you did oh, the, no, this is your the reason mainstay. why Alex Ferguson is what he is." You know, correct, yeah. correct. This is, this is this is for him. This is a defining moment in his career. Mm. Yeah, you know, because let's be honest, if they don't win the FA Cup, would he be there now? Would he get? He this got, is his first trophy for that, wouldn't he? This is his, yeah. this is Sir Alex's first, first trophy. trophy. Yeah. Yeah. Season after they win the European Cup Winners' Cup. Yeah. So I'm going to write a book called Sir Alex, My Part in His Success, yeah. <laughs> paraphrasing <laughs> the great Spike Milligan, but I yeah. don't think it's going to sell well. Well, uh, you do lose the final. I mean, yeah. uh, we should say because uh, the, the, the Lee the, Martin is he lost to history Lee a little bit, isn't he? Uh, imagine I, I think he I got can remember two, it. Got Neil Webb hit a long diagonal pass. Andy Gray. Let it watched it go over his head, yeah. then sprinted after mm-hmm. uh, Lee Martin. By that time, he took a touch on the chest and volleyed it in. I've got, I've got to say to you, I can never watch the TV when Brian Robson lifts the cup. Even now, we're talking twenty. If I see it coming, I turn away, and I don't know. It, that's how. That's how it's. No, it hurts. You should. Quite it right. hurts. Yeah. That you had a you had a great opportunity and you didn't you didn't you didn't grasp the opportunity. Oddly enough, or it wasn't meant to be. Oddly enough, the that that was the that summer they also announced they were lifting the uh, embargo against English clubs playing oh, in Europe. Europe. Correct. So Crystal Palace, come they could have won a trophy and could have qualified for Europe. And they've never got anywhere near it since. So you will tell me. Oh, I don't the, know the next season. The, Danny. You did the in the league, third. We absolutely. Third. Yes, that, sorry. And that was when I, the embargo I'll was take lifted. It all back. Yeah, yeah. We, we improved as a team. Don't forget in that 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 cup final year, Gary. We flitted with with danger of getting relegated. We virtually we were never fifth, left fifth from bottom. We never left the bottom part of the table. You know, and the 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 unique sort of like team spirit and atmosphere and, and never say die attitude mm. never left the squad do you know who I feel sorry for now the losers at Wembley it was bad enough then when you went up those 30 odd steps but now they're climbing it takes like 10 minutes to climb to get your losers medal that's, it, that's it, cruel it's and unusual proven that the way they do the Champions League final on the pitch it, it, much better it, it works yeah. it's better it's better for the crowd and I'll tell you one yeah. thing Danny when I, when I get my medal mm-hmm. and after the replay and I turn it round and it says runners, runners up, up that that it does. That I don't, I don't even like, have. I've never felt pain like that as a footballer, apart from the physical aspect yeah. of it. The runners up, runners up. That just, really cut deep. But you know what, Gary? In, the, in like last year, obviously we had the the um, the Olympics and everything. I'd like to look at it as a silver medal. 
all the people who took part in the event. It came down to the last two. We is got it, a silver medal. Shane You're going to have to spend a lot of time with me <laughs> to sell. You're still a winner, Gary. <laughs> But we'll do it one day. In actual fact, we we um, we shouldn't dwell on this because we were here to celebrate the semi-final. But of course, and you're right though, you're professional people, um, and I'm sure Steve Koppel uh, would have said, you know, there's no point in getting to an FA Cup final if you don't win the thing. Although I think 23 years later, and despite the words "runners up" on the back of your mm. medal, better to have been there. Better to have loved that final loss than to have not been there at all. D- Darth question first, because it's obvious. Um, are you surprised then? This this game, for anyone who, of a certain age, has mm. stuck in the mind of people. Yeah. Um, are you surprised at that semi-final? It has such a place in people's hearts, doesn't it? Well, you, you're thinking this is the first time you've... Sorry, people, you... say, people say, oh, no one remembers the semi-finals. It's only oh, a bit... Yeah, this it, game... Different though, era. Yeah, different yeah. era, and Danny, because the first time they play, they'd done the left FA Cup finals live... Both on the same day, obviously a few few hours apart, mm-hmm. and um, people sat down to watch a live footballing event, which was obviously usually used to be the final. So um, I think the next day, I mean, I can remember coming back. We came back with a friend and Wrighty and Mitchell Thomas in this car, and kind of like we were just driving down the motorway. Oh, Mitchell Thomas can't stand, go on, I know, Mitchell, alone, will he? Mitchell <laughs> Thomas is all around us, and um, Wrighty was standing up through the through the sunroof. Because the traffic going back to London, Gary, can remember, yeah. nothing was moving, just trickling along. People getting out of the cars, running over. Could you sign this? You know, oh, oh I don't know. It was, it was, it was, it was magical. But um, I can't remember the question. No, just I think you're surprised that people yes. are, outside of Crystal Palace fans are yeah. so aware of I this game. Yes. I think from 23 years on, I think, wow, yeah, you, you, it touched you that deeply. I think it's the high noon. It's the it's the the threads of the story that you've touched on. Correct. That Crystal Palace had just been promoted. They get hammered. The nine trousers, and yeah. they've, they've got absolutely no chance. And somewhere along the line, the romance surfaces, and we are the vehicle to take it forward. And I think it touched people like that. The the balloons, the visual aspect of the balloons going up as they did at Villa yeah, Park, colourful, touched it. Got pit and went. Wow, you can do this at a game. There was theatre, there was real drama, and as you've touched on, it was a slow read to begin with. But yeah. boy, didn't it, it pick up! It accelerated. Yeah, it did. Yeah. It, it, if it'd it, been a book, you might know. You might have put it to put one it down, side, yeah, but you don't yeah, get that choice exactly, in football, no. do you? It was, it was a David and Goliath thing, though, because of where we were as a club. We were struggling to survive in the in the top flight, and Liverpool were were moving towards winning the, the league that time. Which, yeah. ironically, well, incredibly, bizarrely, they, they've <laughs> never won since. So. You know that that's how well, great a team they were, and you pointed, you touched on how successful they've been the sort of previous sixteen years. Immense. So us just got promotion into the top flight, mixing it with the big boys, and then we get to the FA Cup semi final. We play the best team in that in the country. So probably in the, great in the world drama at the time. And yeah. I think most people plug for the underdog as well. So they're probably going, oh, go well, on. Well, we were big in Manchester for, no, <laughs> <laughs> on the semi-final and then maybe in Liverpool we, we picked up yeah, a few supporters. Yeah, you were big supporters. in the Happy Mondays one stage there in Manchester. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Listen, guys, and finally, because we're running out of time, I'm sorry to say, just um, a memory each of the, uh, when you, because you're asked to talk about this all the time, I know you are, and uh, it comes around every year. Um, one thing, Gary, and one thing, Mark, that's stuck in your mind about that day or that run, something that's, that, that, that's personal to you that you think, wow, that's what that, the thing that when you wake up that comes in your mind about it. Well, that's a dream come true. Yeah. I've scored in the yeah, cup final. you did. Uh, and you'll see from my celebration, which is arms straight up in the air and thinking, how do I celebrate? I'm not used to this. No. <laughs> Fantastic. Mark, I, I think the semi-final was magical for every reason, but to walk out at Wembley for the final 
and just the the pride you feel knowing all your family there and everything mm. i think um even this far further you know f- moving forward it's still thinking reflecting but looking back it's it's it is a dream come true to play in the fa cup final still you've been listening to an archive edition of talk sports my sporting life with danny kelly thanks for listening and make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Acast and Spotify for more top talk sport content. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.